0: by
1: Simmons. Is this the tagger? Battle-born fan talk. joined by my co-host Mike Pantalone we are back the crew from the Battleborn Reds podcast here at Battleborn Fan Talk Mike Lorenzo Insigne finally arrives in Toronto today lots of fans gathered at the airport we saw the celebrations down in Toronto as Lorenzo Insigne made his appearance uh, out in public in Little Italy downtown we were unfortunately not able to make it due to our work schedules but how excited for you uh, sorry, how excited are you for Lorenzo Insigne to finally be here in the six? And he's only a couple weeks away from making his Toronto FC debut, which will come on July 9th against the San Jose Earthquakes.
0: I'm actually really excited. He's coming at a very important time in the season. Currently, TFC sitting 12th in the Eastern Conference. Hopefully, him, he's going to be a huge impact like he was in, back in Italy. It's a much uh, easier league for him to play in. still difficult, though, but... And, uh... Hopefully he can bring this team in the playoffs soon be a big impact, like he's supposed to be. It's that big contract as well.
1: Yeah, you know, the hype for Insigne around Toronto, the city as a whole, has been astronomical. You know, I it's saw expected. a picture today. Yeah, like you said, I saw a picture today of head coach Nick Nurse of the Toronto Raptors wearing a Magnificent T-shirt at the practice facility of the Toronto Raptors. Uh, there was also some players uh, that were seen wearing the shirt. But, you know... There's a lot of talk about Insigne and his time coming to Toronto. I, I need to just put the brakes on it just a bit because this team still looks like they're pieces away. Obviously, the problem isn't really goal scoring, although they're not great offensively. Like, they're not, believe me. But Jesus Jimenez has definitely carried the workload up there. Pozuelo has had some great performances on the season. You know, you always think back to the Chicago Fire game at BMO Field before the international break. But, you know, just looking at this TFC team as a whole. Lorenzo Insigne is going to come back and provide an offensive, uh, you know, power standpoint to this team. But right now the problem is on the wings and that's the fullbacks. And you know, Lorenzo Insigne gives you the chance to spread the ball. Obviously, he's not a winger, but the way he can see the game and you know distribute passing and the build up to plays, so he's going to make this team a lot better. But you know, I just don't think this team is going to be ready to make a leap and bounds jump like we're to a point where we're talking about this team as a playoff lock now. What do you think?
0: Well, I think with Insignia, they will have a chance now, but I think, like we said, the fullbacks, I've said probably every episode I've been on, they were the biggest problem this season. They don't have a guy who's very experienced right back, like Schaffelberg, Marshall Ready. I think, is he open injury? No, so he's back, man. He's but. back? Like, those two, like, they're great offensive, gifted players. They play, they're used to playing left, mid, left, wing, forward, and all that, but, like, the fullback, like, their marking is just awful. Like, a basic fundamental of defending. They, don't know
1: when to do it. Yeah, you know what's also frustrating is when you click on the game and you see a goal concede in the first 10 minutes. And I cannot count on my hand how many times it's happened this season. You know, you think back to the last game, Nelson on that corner should have probably had that. We know he's not the tallest guy, but that's something you want to see uh, definitely being worked on as the season progresses. Right now, with this Reds team, I just want to see improvement. I want to see if this team could be a lot better than what they were last year because right now we're seeing inconsistent performances one week they look like they're a playoff caliber team the next week they're looking like they're one of the worst teams in the league and it's really frustrating because you know this is a rebuild yes there's tons of new pieces they basically cut out almost 50 percent of the roster compared to last season they have destroyed all their fullbacks in the system they've sent them all out and they brought in new players homegrown development they've tried to change Schafflenburg's game to a more defensive-based role. But today there was rumors coming out of, uh, you know, some soccer headlines, including the legend Fabrizio Romano himself saying that the Reds have officially closed a deal with Domenico Crescito. And, you know, I just want to get your opinion on that. Because we've talked about him before, but, you know, it looks like finally we're starting to see some real movement here.
0: Yeah. That is, if if that's true, that is a very crucial signing. I think it's almost as big as signing Insigne. Like, He's he's a like a very important defender for like for this team if they were to get it if he is actually coming here he he did play center back for Genoa but he's experienced playing fullback. back he's much better defensive minded player he's played defense his whole career probably be playing I think he should be starting over uh, Schaffelberg if he is to come here the only downside with him though he is a much slower player he is older than Schaffelberg that only me that, that may be the only problem with him but other than that he's 10 times better defensively than Schaffelberg is at fullback.
1: Yeah, you know, I think Crescito's addition is going to be huge here for the Reds. Uh, This is a move that I think is, you know, a a buy now kind of move. I think this shows you that the Reds and their management team is focused on making the playoffs this season, kind of making it in and seeing whatever happens just happens. We've seen Toronto FC teams in the past that just get in the playoffs and really surprise people. You know, I think that's something that you can, you know, argue with this Toronto FC team is – you know, you can never really count them out of games. There's times where you, you, know, you look at the schedule, like when Philadelphia Union came to BMO Field, and you, you know, you look at them; they're like at a heavy disadvantage, and they pull out the results. So, you know, I think that shows the management wants to compete right now. I think they have their eye on this window here before they host next World Cup. We've heard Bill Manning talk a lot about how he wants to transform the image of Toronto FC on a global standpoint, and right now, bringing in Cresito and Insigne, and you know, there's plenty of other names. But right now, this team needs lots of pieces in lots of areas. And they're not just an Insigne away. They're not a Crescito away. Crescito is a phenomenal defender. He's a phenomenal defender. One thing I do have a concern with is his mobility and speed. And, you know, we're looking at an MLS league now where it is very relied on the youth and the quickness, which is, I think, you know, a very positive thing. We're not seeing as much uh, laid-back soccer like we used to see back in the days where, you know, Danny Dickio was wearing the red here in Toronto, uh, we're seeing a lot more young players and a lot more skillful players that are really turning heads. You know, across the world, we're seeing you know teams in Germany and France and even Belgium take note of these young talents. And you know, I just think that Crescito uh, is going to need to know that this league is a challenge. You know, the image in Europe is that this league is a lesser competitive league, but you know, right now this league is really starting to turn for the better, and we're seeing that a lot with the viewerships as well, right? Like they're shooting up the rankings like crazy. Uh, they're almost a top four sport in North America now, challenging with the National Hockey League. Obviously, that's due to you know the expansion of clubs and all stuff like that. But right now, MLS soccer is changing for the better, and you know I'm excited for that. But I just I just want to make sure that Cresido is you know well aware that this league isn't just going to be kind of a I guess how do we put it for
0: listeners a house league. <laughs> yeah. Also, that speed of play is a good point. He's is a much faster place league. This play in Syria, which is a very slow-paced, slow defensive league. That may be an issue for him. This MLS is a young, fast league, even though it's maybe not as talented as a a European league, but it's still very fast-paced, and he is near the end of his career. It would be interesting to see how he he deals with the speed of these young, less increasingly talented players in the MLS.
1: Yeah, you know, I think now we have the time here on this episode to transfer over to the kind of pregame now as the Toronto FC host the Atlanta United at BMO Field uh, tomorrow night. You know, Atlanta United, definitely a team that I'm not a fan of. They have an amazing stadium. You know, it's a really cool atmosphere. They have tons of fans there uh, playing home games, but this time we're going to be in BMO. We're going to have our home crowd there. No Lorenzo Insigne just yet, so fans got to relax about that. He's expected to play uh, the San Jose Earthquakes on the 9th, as I mentioned, but you know, Atlanta United hasn't had a great season. They really haven't had uh, you know a good couple of seasons now since being so dominant that one year um, you know obviously Martinez's injury was a huge blow for them in you know recent seasons but this team they are still on the verge of fighting for playoffs uh, they have a game in hand over New England actually two games in hand Who's in that seventh seed with 23 points uh the revolution and Atlanta United is ninth right now in the table with 19 points they have five wins four, loss, four draws sorry and five losses so they're Kind of a mediocre team so far in MLS, but they're coming off a 2-0 win last week against Inter Miami, who's just behind them in the standings. You know, Martinez is back. He's not clicking at the pace we once saw. Let's start uh, this pregame off of how nervous are you for Martinez to come back to BMO Field because for some reason, he always finds the back of the net against Toronto.
0: Honestly, yeah, you know his history in Toronto. He loves playing here in BMO Field, loves scoring goals, but like you said, he has regressed a lot after his injury. I wouldn't say I wouldn't be that worried but with how the fullbacks are with the uh, fullbacks are defensively he'd go out to the wings and that might be an issue but if he does stay in the middle I think Salcedo and O'Neill will be able to which should be able to lock him down if he is still coming off that injury He's trying to work his way back to his top form he was a couple of years ago when they did win the cup but other than that they, they're not a much better team than TFC is they're only about four or five points ahead of them. So I'm interested. I think TFC will be able to come over with a win. But if they do lose, I wouldn't honestly be surprised with how the defense has been playing most of the season.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing with Atlanta United, you know, yes, they're clearly not what they once were, that powerhouse in Major League Soccer. But, you know, I talked about last week, they're coming off a 2 nothing win against Inter-Miami. They went with a 4-2-3-1 formation. Uh, very... I guess defensive-minded, having two holding mids, but you know this team right now—they used to beat you on the counters, right? They used to be very attacking. Uh, they used to have uh, Amirion, who was you know an absolute stud in this league, and you know he went to Newcastle. But this team right now like, let's look at their eleven from last week, and obviously we had Martinez up top, but we had Cisonero on the left, Moreno in the middle. Moreno has been a fantabulous player for them in that attacking mid role, that you know kind of also false nine at times for them. He's really deadly. Uh, in the offensive zone. Arujo uh, was on the right. He scored a goal last week. Uh, Hindeman and Ibarra were the holding mids. Ibarra's a guy that, you know, he's an MLS veteran. I got a ton of respect for him. You know, he's really good at slowing down the game and just doing the, you know, the hard things look easy. And, uh, you know, we look at the back line. They had Wiley, Campbell, Franco, and Lanon, uh at the back. And, you know, we're so used to seeing Atlanta United have such strong defensive players. You know, big names from Europe. And they really didn't have that in this last game. They haven't had it on the season, you know. They haven't had the big-time ads that they were expecting. You know, like I said, they really fell off from their superb campaigns those last couple seasons. But in goal, I think it's the biggest change for me. And this year, you know, it's Rios Novo. Uh, Novo is a guy that, you know, used to be Guzman in the goal for Atlanta United. Uh, He came over from the Premier League. (laughs) You know, I know you can get some chuckles out of that. But, you know, he's had some up-and-down games in Major League Soccer, Guzman. But he was still a top-class when he came the MLS, you know, what he did in the Premier League with uh, Aston Villa is certainly, you know, unmatched in terms of experience in this league, and you know, right now I just think that they lack that kind of veteran presence on the field, and you know, Martinez has kind of relied up on that as that guy to be, you know, the star with Moreno, and you know, although those guys are very good at their sport and what they do as their craft, but I just think they're missing that leadership, and I think without the ability to stretch the field wide, I think that's a problem Atlanta United have uh, tremendously. They used to be able to spread the ball across the width of the field with ease you know when Amirion was here he did that you know better than anybody in this league and now i think this team plays a lot through the middle so i'm gonna be looking at toronto fc to kind of condense the middle and obviously you're gonna to need to play with a lot more midfielders than that so it's gonna be interesting to see what bob bradley selects for his squad but you know right now i'm gonna ask you quickly i'm concerned about the toronto fc midfield you know we talked about the the fullbacks but michael bradley's certainly regressing uh Osorio, he's, you know, a top-class player, definitely maybe the best player of Toronto FC's history in terms of a Toronto FC player through thick and thin, but, you know, he's also a guy that's, you know, picked up some knocks here and there. He's coming off an international stint with uh, Team Canada. Maybe you don't see him play tomorrow. What's your thoughts on this midfield? Because it's very young, and I like Ralph Piso a lot. You know, I think Okello is another guy that, you know, he's going to be a very bright piece down the line here in the future for Toronto. What he does as a holding kind of player is, you know, real solid, but just tell me, what do you think about this midfield? Because I think they lack a guy
0: like Delgado tremendously. Yeah, you know, obviously I do talk about the fullbacks a lot. I give them a lot of stick, how bad they are defensively. But one, pro- but I also do don't talk about the midfield has been very sloppy this year. They don't have a solid, ball-winning, strong midfielder like Delgado. Like you said, thank you for reminding me. Almost forgot about him. He's such a legend for the club. We don't have that this year, obviously. Michael Bradley is just too old. He's getting... Progressing like huge this year. He's too slow. I see him holding on the ball too long His passes aren't crisp getting reception like you said Jonathan Osorio. He is a vet. He's a bit old He's banged up. He's playing a lot of games for Canada as well He's doing okay like Friso is young. He's a little Inexperienced too. You don't see a lot of creative play with the ball He plays little simple back passes to the full backs and the center backs and I'm very confident That that is another problem. I think they are lacking it's not tough. It's interesting to see how they do play against Atlanta United who condenses in the middle, doesn't have that wide play, which all, that wide play, no wide play is actually a good advantage for these fullbacks because they're not experienced there. So I'm to see how it's going to turn out with that midfield and that condensed play in the midfield, with a team that likes to play that kind of style. Yeah, you know, I like how you brought that up. But,
1: you know, you look at from Atlanta United's perspective now, they look at Toronto FC and, you know, you can watch all the tape in the world when you're – managing a professional major league soccer team so i'm sure they're going to know that toronto fc struggles with teams that are able to spread the ball that wide and play from the width so i'm be looking at you know bob bradley to kind of insert a structure where they can prevent that and you know kind of help toronto fc minimize the gap uh because you know something that i noticed in a lot of their games this year is they have a really tough time getting on the hop and you know starting strong and i think a lot of that is you see the gap in such plays and, you know, the game that always comes to mind first is the home opener. You know, I was there in attendance. I was sitting right behind, or no, sorry, to the corner of the goal um, for Bono in the first half there. And, you know, just being able to see from that angle in person how many lapses they gave up on the defensive side of things. You know, there was breakaways at certain points. And, you know, as much as you want to talk about the goalkeeper, like without a doubt, Toronto C needs a quality number one. Right now, it's a joke between Westbrook and Bono, who are rotating back and forth after performance and performance. You know, Westbrook, credit to him, though, he has had a, very nice three games here. But, you know, one thing that I, I have to see from Bob Bradley is I need to see a structure here. Because one thing with this team is I just want to see improvement from last season. Last season was disappointing. I find it very hard last year to put the games on my television and sit down and watch the full 90 minutes. It was awful soccer. No matter who they played upon the schedule, if you wanted a lesser opponent, they got outclassed by teams like Nashville. I don't want to see that. I want to see this team be amongst the best in the league. We're hosting the World Cup in a few years from now, and I want to see this team have MLS championships written all throughout their history as we lead to
0: 2026. Yeah, and they are playing what is going to be a World Cup field. I think it's going to host about five games in 2026. Obviously, it's not the greatest field in the world. Hopefully, those renovations will improve it and make it to FIFA's liking into a legendary World Cup stadium. Yeah, you know, that's. I can't wait for that. I think 2026
1: is going to be special, especially for this city. And, you know, I think you know no matter what team plays here i think the culture and you know the foundation of this city we have so much um you know uniqueness and culture here and i just think that it's going to be special you're going to see a lot of uh you know vibes that we haven't seen here in the past and you know i just think there's a little bit of something here for everybody and i can't wait for that but let's go back to the game here quickly you know atlanta united went unbeaten in three matches against toronto in 2021 last season they had two wins and one draw but you know Toronto FC has also had 12 other 15 points won at home this season. You know, all four of their wins have came at BMO Field. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting battle in that terms of, uh, if you look at it that way. Do you think the home crowd is a favorable matchup for Toronto FC tomorrow? Are you taking them if you were a betting man?
0: You know what, I think I would. They're also coming up the hype of Insigne finally arriving in Ontario, in Canada. So I think that hype is going to really get the fans going. Excited for his debut, and they're going to like they probably start the energy tomorrow night, which I think will be able to it will, will be a big factor in them driving and getting their fifth win of the season. Like you said, they won all their games at home, which makes sense. They got one of the best fan bases in the MLS.
1: You know, it's just frustrating. You know, we look back at the wins this season for Toronto FC at BMO Field, and the Chicago Fire game is one that always comes to mind. You know, that game was frustrating. They had a good start. You know, the goal by Kerr was, you know, we got a I guess lucky kind of because Slonina kind of had that it just slipped through his glove and we got the benefit of the doubt there but you know ever since that goal that Kerr scored in that game Toronto FC got really outclassed and if it wasn't for Pozuelo to perform like an MVP caliber player that he is in this league Toronto FC doesn't win that game and you know yeah you want to talk about the penalty sure you could put numbers of players that can hit a pen but what he did with that goal from outside the box bar down was absolutely stellar and you know I just want to touch up on Pozuelo here you know there's a lot of talk Uh, in the media that this is Pozuelo's last season these are potentially Pozuelo's last games as a red you know yes his age is getting up there and you know injuries have been a cause uh, so far you know throughout his tenure as a a TFC member but you know since his MVP campaign he hasn't been quite up to that level like I mentioned injuries are a big part of that but are you okay with moving on from Pozuelo or do you want to keep him here if it means giving him a three-year contract
0: Honestly, with Insinia coming in, he's not going to be the top player on this team anymore. Insinia is going to probably take that role. And I think it, Pozuelo likes being that guy on the team, the driving factor on the team, the most crucial player on the pitch. And uh, he's just not going to be that with Insinia. He's getting older. And I think TFC is going to have to choose between one of them because he's going to probably ask for a lot of money. And they're obviously going to probably not give all their money to two players on the pitch and so, I do not think he might not be here next year, so I would be okay if he did not come back, because we do have Insigne, who's looking to be the future of this team. And yeah, it's shit.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing that I also think it's fair to mention is, uh, you know, earlier on in the week there was mentions that some people in Toronto, of our great city, have seen Vernon um in the six and you know obviously there's no real reporters to you know clarify that and give us a realistic expectation of if these are real but you know there's been numerous people all over social media that have been linked to seeing uh bernandeshi in person you know we've seen toronto FC go shopping in syria this year there's rumors of bilati which have just completely dropped so obviously that probably wasn't true but do you believe the Bernandeci rumors and would you like that here in toronto
0: Mm, I have heard about them. Uh, I'm not sure I do believe them. I think he still wants to play in Europe. He was kind of riding the bench in, on Juventus this year's last couple of years, actually struggling to get some first-team play on that on the, on their team. And I, I don't think he would be ready to go to the MLSU, but it would be very interesting to see him on the right with Insigne on the left, uh, probably the best winger duo in the league, if that were to happen.
1: Yeah, you know, I would love to see that happen. Obviously, the quality in Bernadeschi's play is, you know, definitely at the top echelon of Major League Soccer. But if that were to happen, are you comfortable with Iowa Akinola and Jesus Jimenez' partnership link up to be that one force up top, or would you want to see uh, an option from abroad?
0: You know, I think having either of those two playing striker, I think that would be good enough if they were to have Bernadeschi and Insidney playing in the wing. You already got two stars there, and you have – a Average strikers who are able to score and they're decent players with the ball. You don't need your whole front three to be insanely talented. They're also good cheap players as well. So I don't think they would need to get a top class striker if they were to have those two already top class Italian winners on their team.
1: You know, one thing that I would that I'm excited for with Lorenzo here is Lorenzo coming to Toronto is going to set the tone. This is a top player. He's played in all the top tournaments. We're just seeing him come off a Euro win with the Italian national side. I'm really excited to see what he can come here to a younger squad here in Toronto. There's either a lot of youth in the squad or there's a lot of fresh new players. Salcedo is a veteran. We see that he takes that leadership role within the squad. He's the heart of the back line so far this season. Mavinga, you know, he's a guy that's battled injuries. We don't know if he has the best relationship with Bob Bradley. He's been up and down. But, you know, Mavinga, Salcedo, Crescido, that back line looks like it's getting better. Now it's going to turn around on the offensive side of things. How insane can come here and just, you know, the morale, of the squad, the strength of the squad, what can they do in the change room? You know, has Michael Bradley's voice gone still, right? That's something I've always wondered. Yes, he's been a TFC legend now, and he's done so much good with the club. We've seen the good and the bad. Obviously, if you want to talk about it, what he's done in the CONCACAF Champions League, but let's not go there. Um, you know, there's been some dark moments, but I just wonder if, Michael Bradley as the captain has gone stale in that locker room. Obviously, they bring a fresh voice over in management and Bob Bradley. But, you know, I'm just wondering now that Insigne's here, we saw what Seba was able to bring to the squad. We saw what Pozuelo was able to bring to the squad in their beginnings of their tenors here. And, you know, maybe this season is not going to be the year where the Reds make it to the playoffs. But if this team can just compete down the line here, if they can just string a couple wins together and just look like a much better soccer club, uh, then I'm going to look forward to next season, right? Because then you just add in the little pieces. Right now there is gaping holes in this roster. And, you know, if they can just find a way to close those gaps just a little bit and, you know, we go through the winter transfer window and we can just perfect those years. There's rumors of Laxalt from Uruguay. There's tons of players internationally that have been linked to Toronto. I think the goalkeeping position is probably going to be the biggest X factor in next year's offseason if they are able to bring in Laxalt. I think Laxalt, you know, we've seen what he's done on the World Cup stage as well with Uruguay. Played against the best players in the world, and Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. So I'm going to be very interesting to see if they could bring him in. I think that'd be a fantastic ad. But right now they
0: have to go get a goalkeeper. And do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I do. You know, I'm a big Alex Bono guy, but he's not doing. He's hasn't been doing that great this year. Obviously, the defense has not been helping either him or Westberg. You know, I'm not a big Westbrook guy. Didn't like that second goal he let against New York Red Bulls. I think if he was taller, he would have had that. But, yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think they need to move on and get a, a top goalkeeper this year. I don't know if they're going to have the money to get a really big top class one who's still in his prime. I think one who's probably a veteran. Uh, you know, I would like to see if they do have all these Italian guys coming, Gigi Buffon, but I don't think he would want to come here. That's just a fun fantasy thing.
1: Yeah, somebody's been playing too much career mode late night, eh, with that one. <laughs> no, Buffon here would be cool. That would be amazing. Uh, his debut, I'd buy tickets for that. Oh, 100%. We'd have basically the Italian national team here with a very uh, large Italian fan base in Toronto. But, you know, bringing back to your point about the height of Quinto Westbury, you know, it's obviously disrespectful to comment on a goalkeeper's height and say, like, you know, dwell on him for his performance. But I'm going to say this, you know, I've watched every single game so far this season. We talk about the fullbacks, right? I'm wondering if the fullbacks are linked to the goalie problems. And here's what I mean by that. You know, we see teams come into BMO Field in Major League Soccer, and, you know, they attack the fullbacks here in Toronto. We don't have very many strong ones. And I think that, it also the inexperience, right? Schafflenburg hasn't got a lot of experience playing in a fullback role. You know, Marshall Rudy, he had a very gruesome injury. He's still a very young talent. He's going to be a premier player uh, in the near future. But one thing I'm wondering is, if the fullbacks contribute to the problems in net. And here's what I mean by that. Like I said, back to the l- very low experience point, you know, they let these attacking teams uh, just cross the ball in free willingly. We've seen countless times Toronto has given up numerous crosses in games. I think it's almost at the league high in crosses allowed per game. I remember there was one game where they allowed almost 20 at one point, or t- over 20, which I think is absolutely absurd. And you know, a guy like Quinn Westberg, I was a goalkeeper myself, so I can tell you, you know, in terms of you know being that guy between the sticks if you're not able to have a presence on the field in terms of collecting those crosses if you're not dominant in your 18 you're going to struggle and you know one thing about Westberg is I think he's a great shot stopper I think he's a better shot stopper than Bono I'll give him that at any day of the week but one thing with Bono is I think he's much better on you know keeping those crosses clean I think he's better at dominating his 18 and you know that's the problem right you either pick one or the other obviously we know the distribution and bob bradley systems is another debate but right now i'm just wondering if the fullbacks contribute to the problem in that because if you don't have fullbacks that can ease the pressure off the crosses and off the wings i think that's such an overlooked issue in soccer nowadays you know we look at the top teams in the world the best teams have the best fullbacks you look at man city cancello and walker that duo is absolutely incredible you look at real madrid they have some of the best veterans in the world mixed with young talent. You look at Juve, who was so dominant during those years. They only used three defenders, which is something that TFC's kind of tried this season. They were still very elite at preventing crosses in their 18. And I just think you got to protect the 18. And I think that's going to be a huge thing moving forward. Because one thing we know about playoff soccer and MLS is these goals come, well, late, to say the least. There's always last-minute winners, stuff like that, which I think is awesome. But, you know... There's a lot of greasy kind of goals in terms of aerial threats and stuff like that. Like, look at Zialto, right? How many playoff goals did he score uh, aerial threat-wise? And, you know, he was such a dominant piece in that way. So, you know, if this team wants to be an MLS championship contender, I think they have to look at the back end here, and especially in terms of goal. And I think they need to figure out that because you can't go into games giving up 20 crosses. And tomorrow night, I'm going to be very disappointed if I see almost 15 to 20 because that's just... You're setting yourself up for failure. And this team, you know, as a goalie myself, that is frustrating. If I had my fullbacks giving up about 20 crosses a game, I would probably look for a new club. I don't know how Bono and Westbrook can do it. But, you know, it's just so frustrating. You know, they put the goalie under constant trouble, constant heck. And, you know, a lot of thing I noticed, too, and I'm going to ask you about this right now, is I see a lot of counterattacks. You know, the wingers, they go up too high. Obviously, we play the stiff back line. They like to jump up in the play. They like to catch. It's very active, right? It's very aggressive. They like to catch players offside. But sometimes it's worked out really bad for the squad. And, you know, that's expected. This team's young. They brought in Salcedo, who's supposed to be the heart of the back line now. And Mavinga is battling injuries. You know, he's in the squad inconsistently. O'Neill has been a rotational factor with Lucas McNon, who's coming from the CPL. This back line is fresh, it's, it's raw. But, you know, this system right now, it's created a lot of chaos for Quinn Westberg and Alex Bono in between the sticks.
0: Yeah, like it's a counterattacking thing. You have to be very experienced, you have to be very smart when you are doing these counterattacks. Like Jaden Nelson, I see him running up a lot in the counterattacks, I see him losing the ball. And it causes the other team to counter it, come back, and play defense. I think that is an issue on the team. But I do want to touch on what you said about the crosses, the fullbacks. That, is a very, that actually is a very overlooked thing. And I think back to the game against, against New York City FC where they – I think they were like 3 nothing, and they completely choked that league. That lead – I see in the second half, they were just running through the whole TFC team. And the biggest problem was the crosses – Left to right, Schaffel- Schaffelberg was not marking his man at all. There's at least three or four times he was just not marking. Wide open, Bono was left out to dry there. I think they scored on at least two of them. But like it's crazy, like it's just the same, rep- same thing over and over again. He does not adjust to the marking, this guy. Wide open every single time. I do like what you touched on with the marking. That's a very overlooked problem with this team. Yeah, you know, like, it's not hard. Like, these guys are paid some of the best money in
1: the business. If you're a head coach, a manager of an MLS squad, and you look at Toronto FC on your schedule, you're like, okay, they're 12th in the Eastern Conference. You watch the tape. It's very clear that they cannot defend crosses. They're not very good at it. Yes, they have a bit of a smaller team in this league. They have a lot of young players as well. They have a lot of inexperienced players, as I mentioned. Again, to go back to my point, that is frustrating as a goalie. You know, when you're having constant pressure thrown at you. And I love how you brought up that New York City game because you're completely right. That New York City game was a joke. I'm pretty sure the Reds went up 2-0. You know, things were looking bright at Yankee Stadium. Uh, it was Jimenez who got the two goals to lead off the game. They were leading 2-0 after 27 minutes. I
0: believe we should have a penalty shot in that game. Yeah. It was, that was uh,
1: a very controversial call. That exactly. Game. And, you know, Alex Bono, I thought, was fantabulous for the first 20 minutes. You know, Bono is also one of the, you know, higher goalies in terms of saves. Uh, in the MLS so far this year but Castellanos just
0: well half of saves are from the New York City game <laughs> that's for sure Yeah,
1: well Castellanos just cracked it open for New York after that you know they scored 4 unanswered and then they went on to make it 5 when Gabriel Pereira scored in the 75th minute to take a 5-2 lead Toronto FC did muster out 2 goals in the final 10 minutes there with Kerr and Michael Bradley in the 90th minute but you know like let's go to that game exactly can you guess how many crosses New York City had in that game
0: I'm going to say about 30. Big number. Very close. They had
1: 25 crosses. 25 crosses in that game. That is ludicrous. You're asking your back line and Alex Bono to clean up 25 opportunities coming from out wide with inexperienced fullbacks and a goalkeeper that you know is not amongst the best in the league. He's getting paid like one, but he's not amongst the best. And you have a fresh back line. I think that's absolutely absurd and I think you gotta circle down, you gotta fix it. Cause you could bring in the best of the best. You could bring in Old Black and Ederson. I don't care, you know, this is just career mode shit right now. You know, excuse my language, but you could bring the best of the best right now. You can bring Casillas from five years ago. If you're giving up twenty five crosses a night with a back line that's this inexperienced and that, you know, you mentioned a lot, like how many times this season have we seen Shafflinberg or, Marshall, or not uh, Nelson in the back posts, Just leave their man wide open. And it's
0: basic fundamental defending. Exactly. Just don't
1: adjust to it at all. Exactly. You could bring so the best of the best. I still think that's going to be a problem. Why is that? Because they're putting so much pressure on their goalkeeper, and you need to ease it. When these teams were at their best, these Toronto FC clubs, we had Irwin in net, right? We didn't have the best of the best. Bono was an MLS guy that got us to the promised land, right? You know, you just got to look at the t- defending as a whole right now and you got to make adjustments because if you don't, you're going to die in this league. And right now we see that oftentimes in certain games, like the Red Bulls game in the home opener, conceding four goals in the first half, I was embarrassed. I was sitting out there in the cold. It felt like it was minus 30. I could not feel my fingers. And I was out there just watching the New York Red Bulls, just poor goals, like it was nothing, like they hit a grand slam. It was awful. And, you know, you try to make a game of it until the Red Bulls score again in the second half to start it off. So, you know, it's frustrating. But this team needs to work on their defensive prowess as a whole, and right now there's so many areas to circle that we can go on and on about. But I think we should wrap up the episode here. You know, I'm really hoping Toronto FC can get the result here against Atlanta United. I'm not an Atlanta United fan at all. I can't stand this team. Mike, uh, let's just wrap this up here with your uh, scoreline
0: prediction for tomorrow. Well, I think uh, it won't be. It could end up being a very high-scoring game, but maybe not for TFC. I think they they just edge out probably getting a 2-1 loss. I think it'll be a close game like that. I think the fans will be very hyped tomorrow, but I don't think it'll be enough to get a win tomorrow against the United
1: I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw here at BMO Field. Obviously, this can be very ugly because, you know, Martinez can score uh, at will against the Reds, especially at BMO Field, and we know how inexperienced his back line is, but I think the hype around in I think Toronto FC is going to find a late equalizer, and I think they're going to go home with a draw. Uh, so I'm really excited for tomorrow. You know, it's a Saturday night game at BMO Field. Uh, there's not much night better than that in the summer here in Toronto, and I cannot wait to watch. Uh, so looking forward to that, and we'll be back next week to uh, talk about hopefully a Toronto FC win. Thank you guys for listening to the Battleborn Reds podcast, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode.